Welcome back to another episode of the Shifting Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, and this week I'm actually not doing the interview. Uh, this is a repost of an interview that was recently done with my business partner, Chris, from the Inferno Room. He was recently asked to do an interview uh, on Music and Booze with Mo, which is a fantastic podcast. I highly recommend you check it out. Her back catalog is amazing. Um, she invites musicians, bartenders, everybody on to talk about all of the above. So on her last episode, Chris was invited on to talk a little bit about Inferno Room, talk about the um, kind of problems that we're going through with uh, COVID-19 and the restrictions. And then, of course, music, uh, which is a topic that I think most people do enjoy talking about. So without further ado, uh, here's Music and Booze with Mo with Chris Coy. Music and Booze with Mo is produced and distributed by the Center for Culinary Culture, home of the Cocktail Collection, and is available wherever fine podcasts can be heard. The Center for Culinary Culture, telling the story of food and drink, one taste at a time. Welcome to Music and Booze with Mo. I'm Mo Herms, and I've worked in the music industry most of my life, so have met some pretty amazing musicians over the years. I also love a good cocktail, and I've encountered some really interesting bartenders as well. It seems that there is a lot of crossover, so when I can, I like to talk to musicians and bartenders about music and booze. Join us at the bar, won't you? Music and Booze with Mo is brought to you by The Mermaid, a cozy neighborhood bar with an aquatic flair in the little Tokyo area of downtown LA. Open seven days a week, featuring tropical cocktails and snacks, The Mermaid also has a daily happy hour from 5 to 8 p.m. Follow The Mermaid on Instagram at The Mermaid LA to hear about upcoming events and check them out at TheMermaidLA.com. Head to 428 East 2nd Street, Los Angeles. For a drink. Today we are going to Indianapolis so that we can visit the Inferno Room virtually. We're going to talk with Chris Coy, who is one of the owners of the Inferno Room, a place I would love to visit one day. But I have tried drinks that have been made there, and they are delicious. So Chris is going to talk to us about operating a tiki bar in Indianapolis and trying to continue operating it during this COVID era that we are in, and also what song you should listen to when you drink a painkiller. So sit back and relax. We're going to chat with Chris Coy of the Inferno Room. <laughs> well, I always like to start these, and we might as well do it since I know we have a little limited time. But um, thank you so Great. much for doing this. And I like to start it by having people introduce themselves and where they're at and all of that. And... Um, your partner seems to be the more, uh, um, the one that's out there more than you from the Inferno Room. So thank you yeah. for 
doing this Look with how, me. He's the pretty face. <laughs> but you have the pretty hair, right? He's, he's the he's the lead singer. <laughs> well, I always preferred bass players. I don't know what that says about me. That's, I'm, I'm a bass player. So hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, let everybody know who you are and where you work and that kind of stuff. Uh, well, hello. My name's Chris Coy. <laughs> Inferno Room in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah, and what so, what made you guys open up a tiki bar in? Well, you are a tiki bar, right? right? Yeah, correct. I know that there's I'm all kinds of language. At this point in time, tiki Palace. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> We've expanded, so now we have even more square footage. It's ridiculous right at this point, but yeah, whatever. Well, have you expanded outside or inside or both? Both. Yeah. We were, we were planning on expanding into a patio area before the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And there was about a month of, oh, shit, are we still going to do this? And then decided to go ahead. But that also, there was a coffee shop next door, too, so we had to take over the whole space. So mm-hmm. we have a second bar now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and what That's... what is your capacity now at this point during COVID? Oh, what are you guys allowed to do? I know it changes. Really? By the time this goes live, it could be totally different. <laughs> right. Well, like Indiana's on this whole different thing, but Marion County, mm-hmm. our county that Indianapolis is in, is has a whole different set of restrictions. Mm-hmm. So I think they finally let us go to 100% outside now that it's almost winter. Yeah. <laughs> We've literally got maybe two weeks left of that. I think we're like 75% inside. I don't know. It doesn't, yeah. that's what's kind of been funny with us because capacity number hasn't really affected us. Mm-hmm. Because we never allowed standing room in the first place. Oh. So like, well, that's good then. We were talking about it. So like we probably never really run over half capacity technically by fire code numbers in the first place. Oh, cool. So we just had to spread out, you know, socially distance the tables six feet apart. Yeah. So we lost like four or five tables. But yeah. So how are you guys uh-huh. doing then? I mean, during What's all. Of this, how are you doing during all of this? Uh, I mean, we're not setting any records. Yeah. But. We're actually, we're, we've been pretty lucky. We're one of the lucky few that have been able to, like, do okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the new patios helped a lot. Yeah. But, and, like I said, we've got about two weeks, if we're lucky, left of that. And then yeah. it's, you know, oh shit time again. So, we'll see. Um, see, I, I live in Southern California, so I'm, I can't even imagine what that i'm like you guys aren't all the way that high up but i guess yeah i can't imagine what it was yeah. how cold it's gonna get uh, for you guys not quite as bad as chicago but yeah right <laughs> yeah so how long has inferno room been open we just turned two that's what, okay that's, that's what i thought and people travel to you i have a friend i have a friend yeah. here in la who just was out there visiting you guys uh cool. not too long ago and then we have another friend uh juan who uh a guy who visits oh, you guys yeah. all the time, but is kind of grounded right now because of COVID. So it must be kind of nice to be on that radar as well. You guys yeah, it's we've actually, surprisingly here lately, we've seen quite a bit of traveling. <laughs> we just had some people from Nashville in the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, just all over. Everyone's getting bored and taking road trips now. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and what what inspired you guys to open up a tiki bar? Oh, that's a, a crazy long path. Ed and I have been <laughs> friends forever. Uh, I was running one of his restaurants for like seven years before all of this. And we slowly were getting into rum. 
And then the tiki thing was always kind of an interest of ours. Just when we traveled, we liked to hit tiki bars, yeah. different things. And it was just like the more we got into rum and the more we got into the cocktails, and it was just like you, you get tired. It's like I've never had a bad time at a tiki bar. Like, let's open a tiki bar. <laughs> well, and I, then I like to build and tinker. So Yeah, I have yet to yeah. make it to the Inferno Room, but I'm intrigued by the fact that it's called the Inferno Room because I wouldn't assume that it would be a tiki bar with that name. But I think you and Ed both have kind of a your musical backgrounds. I would suspect lend it lent to that a little bit more than the tiki side of music. A little bit. It's actually the the funny story behind that was when Black Market was the restaurant that Ed owned and I was running for him, mm-hmm. and uh, our air conditioning broke over the summer, <laughs> and it was legitimately eighty plus degrees in the restaurant. It was just and terrible. humidity. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was hell. But we decided that it was like big weekend coming up, and we had no choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like there's. It was just an old building. AC couldn't keep up. But anyway, we were just like, let's just embrace it, roll with it. You know, we had some tiki decorations, like cheesy, dumb stuff from this like stupid pop up dinner thing we did, whatever. But we were yeah. just like, break them all out. Let the staff <laughs> wear you know Aloha shirts, and like let's just have a good time with it. And, like, Ed and the was Inferno the one that said room was about. born. Yeah, Ed, Ed's the one that said something about it. It's called the Inferno Room. Like we, <laughs> the weekend was great. We did great numbers. Everyone had a good time. No one complained about, about sweat sweating. Yeah. Dinner, you know. <laughs> so then you guys so made kind of it stuck. Real. Yeah. We, I love it. I think it's great. We tried to figure out if there was anything better, but we just kept coming back to it. And it's like, it's got a good backstory. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, but you, so you, you mentioned that you were a bass player. I was sort of joking when I said that. I, when I wasn't trying to lure you out, you know, as a bass player, but I don't think, I still have Duran Duran on my walls somewhere in this apartment because John Taylor is. Yes. I mean, <laughs> anyway, I was this. Duran Duran when I was young. Right. I yeah. It. I, I, I like to joke around that, uh, teenage girls never lose that part of their teenage heart. <laughs> those, those bands that they love, they continue to love oh, yeah. way, way, way too long. But, um, but I remember, you know, I loved John Taylor, and so I would tune my ears to listen to the bass, and my younger brother, he's about seven years younger than me, he was always having, being forced to listen to this stuff, so he started playing bass, because he's like, oh, the bass is really good. He plays a lot of instruments, but he started playing bass, and he jokes with me about how, uh, yeah, I learned how to play Rio on bass, and then I was dead. <laughs> and after I played, I was dead. <laughs> I never realized it was it was years after the fact that I I'd been playing bass and I went back and started listening to Duran Duran stuff again and was like, wow, I guess this is, was ingrained in my head when I was young. Right, the kind of monster bass lines in there. Yeah, um, so great. Yeah, what got you playing bass? How old were you? Oh, that was just one of those like silly childhood stories of like we're putting a band together and <laughs> I'm playing drums and he's playing guitar. We need a bass player. <laughs> and I was a big Iron Maiden kid growing up, so mm-hmm. Steve Harris, mm-hmm. bass. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. Yeah. I'm kind of born out of that. <laughs> and so uh, was that the only band you were in? Was the high school band? Uh, yeah, but it <laughs> stretched throughout high school, college, a few years post-college. But it was the same people all mm-hmm. that time? Oh, that's cool. That's How long was that band in existence then? So... From probably 91, 90, 91 to 2000, 
three or four, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like that's that. cool, though. That's a really long time. I mean, I'm guessing between all that, people, like, got married and moved and moved back and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. lots of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. But you kept playing music. So uh, what kind of stuff did you guys play? Was it metal? A little bit. We couldn't, I don't know. We actually got some flack from the record companies because, like, our record was so all over the place. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, you need to write three more, you know, whatever, track number one. Write four more of those. And they're just like, eh, that's not what we do. <laughs> He's like, your record doesn't make any sense. One song you're, that sounds like metal. One song that sounds like funk. One song it's just rock. It's like, eh, I was going to say, in the, in the 90s, that was totally acceptable. I mean, at least in yeah. the first half of the 90s, that was a lot of records were like that. So, um, yeah. well, okay, so it sounds like this band actually did some stuff. So you're going to have to tell me about the, the history of this band that you were in. You guys evidently were put out a record. You guys, sounds like you had a label. <laughs> Not really. We, <laughs> but they tried to boss we, you around. Isn't that having a label? Yeah, well, we, we piled in a van and drove to L.A. and played a couple showcases and mm -hmm. ended up, like, on the roof of the Arista building having a... Uh, Beverages and other assorted things, and talking with one of the VPs about rock and roll stories. And yeah. He was like, giving us all this stuff. But then when it came down to, like, hey, we need a little bit of money, like, <laughs> we got to pay for this record we just did. And they're just like, oh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, go home and do some touring, sell some records. We'll talk later. So, <laughs> and these were the same people who were telling you to make track one four more times? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. All that fine. good stuff. Shorten my <laughs> name and just, I don't know. What was your, what was the name of the band? Well, that was a long progression, too. We started off in <laughs> high school as the Subliminal Pigs. Subliminal Pigs? Why mm -hmm. does that sound vaguely familiar? Maybe and then we got to college and started smoking way more weed <laughs> and decided we were going to spoonerize it and make it the Subliminal Sigs. <laughs> and then, then Mr. VP mm -hmm. told us that Subliminal wasn't a word, and radio guys couldn't pronounce it. So we needed to shorten our name. So then we ended up just being the pub sigs. The pub sigs? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how much music did you guys put out over the course of all those years? We only really put out one official record. Yeah. And then you just toured back, a bunch? Yeah, just around here mainly. We never got out on the road road. We were just a bunch of poor college kids. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't afford that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it didn't become I mean, very. It was bitter and jaded after the whole, you know, seeing the underbelly of the music industry. So yeah, I don't kind blame of took you. a lot of the fun out of it. Was it Indianapolis, right across the river from? Uh, no, I'm I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of Kentucky. I think. How far is Cincinnati from you guys? About an hour and a half. Oh, okay. So it's not that far. Because I, I thought you guys had a scene at kind of that Cincinnati and you guys sort of maybe had a little bit of sharing. I'm from San Diego and then there's LA. So it was a similar kind of, right, right. that, that was where you toured, you know, <laughs> backward like Cincinnati's that. Cincinnati's where we had to go to see all the cool shows. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. LA is where I had to go to see all the cool shows. Yeah. <laughs> or In, Indy, Indy never gets cool shows. It was either Cincinnati or Chicago, Chicago mainly, but mm -hmm. Chicago's a pain is in the ass. Is that still the case? But... Is there a music scene there in, in Indianapolis yet? I mean, there's a tiki bar. No. Yeah. <laughs> So when did you start uh, cocktailing then? When did you get into that whole world? Because I know oh, that was probably I was actually working in music retail, selling guitars, all that good fun stuff. Yeah. And one of the guys I worked with, it was it was really funny to look back on now because they just needed a bar back. 
needed some help. And we were making like, I don't even remember what the hell we were making, but 10 bucks an hour or something stupid. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, gee, I, am I going to make enough money as a bartender to live? <laughs> yeah, and I worked like two shifts. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm quitting the music job and going to be a bartender. <laughs> So you've been bartending for quite some time. Yeah. Almost, almost as long as you've been playing music, I guess. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> no, I'm pretty much retired now, though. Are you not? You don't come up with cocktails anymore? I still come up with cocktails, but I don't actually, like, really work shifts anymore. Yeah. I saw that you had a couple recipes in the uh, Minimalist Tiki book. Um, I'm not sure if you had them pop up anywhere else. Are, are you published elsewhere? Your coffee, uh, your minimalist tiki. Are you an easy tiki? Easy uh, tiki. Easy tiki. That just came out. Yeah. Yeah. Those two mainly. Yeah. So, but, so you yeah, definitely have some cocktails under your belt that you've come up with yourself. How? What was that progression? You know, you were bartending. When did you first get to be the one creating? Or were you fortunate enough to work at bars where they, you know, encourage that sort of thing? Or how'd that come about? That actually is funny. That never really. That goes back to black market again. Yeah. And that probably wasn't, I mean, we're talking like 2010, 2011 mm-hmm. when we started doing that. I mean, before that, I always worked in nightclubs, sports yeah. bars. Yeah. You know. So you can make drinks I, fast. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, I remember we, you know, we would make like, or you had a bottle of bitters on the back bar that nobody knew what it was for. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know. <laughs> You made like two old fashions a year to some kid that grandpa drank one at the country club or whatever. (laughs) Well, yeah, see, that's kind of the thing, though. I think in the 2010s, we'll say, um, you know, there's an argument to be made that there is no such thing as the craft cocktail anymore because that whole scene happened. And now pretty much people expect this kind of stuff from bars, you know, more often than not. But I don't know. I live on the coast. So, I mean, how was it in Indianapolis when you guys started crafting, basically? Yeah, I mean, it, there was definitely that big explosion. And like you say, everyone expected it. Now it's kind of, we're starting to trend kind of the other direction again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, people are getting tired of paying $14 for a cocktail. And I don't know. I like how you say that because that $14 cocktail in Indianapolis is like a $20 cocktail in LA, you know, <laughs> right. but, um, but when you say scale back, is that because of, um, the COVID situation that we bars are finding mm-hmm. ourselves in or just in general? Because I've noticed that just too, kind of, you know, you just want kind of in general, yeah. this was a pre COVID. We were starting to see people just, I don't know, they were starting to look for simpler things again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just kind of the trend. I hate to call it a trend, but whatever. It's always cyclical. Everything is. Everything is. Yeah. I mean, you can see as, as the, uh, you know, the swing, right? You know, there's yeah. a big swing where people come in and they expect to have the 18 ingredients in their cocktail and not have it be a tiki drink necessarily. It's just the world's fanciest daiquiri, perhaps. Um, you know, yeah. this kind of syrup, that kind of syrup. And and so I've been hearing this uh, the last couple of months that people are scaling back. But part of it is also a, 
COVID thing, you don't want to have as much inventory. But I was yeah, curious that's, about. Yeah. That's a whole different world now. Right? Yeah, totally. You're yeah. like, I, we can't have like all these fancy syrups that will go bad before we have a chance to use them, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so you guys were noticing that beforehand, people. I mean, of course, you also have tiki drinks, which are always going to be the yeah, original craft cocktail. <laughs> I, I think to a certain degree, we're kind of insulated from the the trend of that because tiki's its own thing. Yeah, Although yeah. It has been trendy, but <laughs> the hardcore tiki files out there, you know, mm -hmm. it's not it's not trendy to them. Yeah, yeah. So. But they, you know, I think people coming in, if they're getting a drink that's going to have a garnish shaped like some sort of animal, they're going to expect that potentially there are going to be multiple ingredients in that drink. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of, I've had that debate with people too, because it's kind of hard to simplify tiki. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that uh, Easy Tiki book is really intriguing. Uh, what is it? No six or less ingredients in yeah. there? Which to and some people, that's still too much. <laughs> Yeah, we had a hard time even finding a recipe for that book. Just because everything we had, we're like, this is like eight, this one's nine. This, yeah. <laughs> so but, when, so again, we go back to Black Market, and that's when you started kind of creating cocktails. You were the, the instigator of a cocktail, right, at that point? Yeah. Do you remember what your first one was? Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> Maybe I should say the first one I'm, you were proud of. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know early on, one of them, people still request it. It's kind of funny because it just shows you the, you know, like the whole keep it simple thing. Mm -hmm. But we did a, it was a bourbon, apple shrub, and maple syrup. Nice. Just simple. Sounds like honestly, cider, almost. Way, way too sweet for me, honestly. <laughs> but, but I mean, people, we, we're going to put it back on the menu, mm -hmm. I think, this winter. At Inferno Room? Like, a little bit, yeah, because people still ask for it. Like Cool. They stopped doing it at Black Market and made people mad because people want it. And it's just like, <laughs> it's probably like the least amount of effort or thought we really put into a drink. It was just kind of like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And then that's the one people love. Awesome. That's lucky for you. Did yeah. you ever uh, name any of your cocktails after music or songs or musicians or anything like that? Did you fall into that? Uh, we had a few. We, we got tired of trying to name cocktails there. So we started just doing like themed menus. Yeah. Yeah. Like just to try to make it easier, like we do like Star Trek episode titles. Oh God, don't you even know, start just... me on that because I'm a huge Trekkie. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to, if you still have a copy of one of those, you have to like send me photographs of that menu because that will make me laugh a lot. What was your favorite on that? Uh, well, actually, that's a funny one because <laughs> Spock's brain. Oh God, that's great. <laughs> yeah. that, that became the hit of the cocktail of that list, of, which is now the one that's getting published because we repurposed it at Inferno and it's the Koi de Koi now. Ooh, oh, that's, is that in Minimalist? Is that one, yeah. in, that one's in Minimalist Tiki? Oh, yeah. that's cool. That makes, well, so, I guess you would be Bones, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. So we originally started as Spock's Brain, but we decided to rebrand it, shuffle it around a little bit. That's very cool. Well, let's go back to the music one. What music names did you wind up giving out? Do you remember those? Did you choose albums or something and just go uh, go that route? I'm trying to remember what music we did. We did one that was like 80s because we did the whole like bad 80s drinks yeah. done properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Done well. So we had like the Sledgehammer and Maneater, <laughs> Raspberry Beret. Uh, damn, I can't remember any of the other ones, but just stuff like that. We That's, just had fun with it, just yeah. keeping them themed. Yeah. So, well, I know that, you, you know, we've talked about you're kind of a metal guy. Did that, does that ever inch into your uh, 
cocktailing, you know, ever? Do you ever get like your Judas Priest one going or something? <laughs> uh, every time a painkiller goes out, Ed can't stop singing Judas Priest painkiller. <laughs> <laughs> That's valid, and I don't know why that has never occurred to me before. We, we, we hear it in our head. <laughs> Keep threatening to, like, cue it up and put a button that you can just hit. <laughs> Disney it up a little bit. Scream. Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be like, that'd be like a badass Disney move, you know, if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Have One some day. lightning One from coming from somewhere. I like it. I'm down. I, you just, just get the flames up a little bit more or something, you know, when that happens. Yeah. But you'll hate me now, though, because every time you see a painkiller, you'll hear that now. No, I'm not going to hate crazy. you for that. <laughs> Especially in these times, it's going to take a while before uh, before I see a painkiller out in the wild again, you know. So hopefully in a year or so. I'll, but if I do, uh, you know, if, if things get back to normal, which I hope they do within a year or so, and I can make it out to Indianapolis, I'm going to order a painkiller, and I expect to hear a little bit of humming or air guitaring or something. We'll, we'll make the staff sing it for you. <laughs> well, my husband, and I say staff is in not me. But yeah, you're, right. Yeah, you're, you already explained you're not behind the bar anymore, so you're off the hook. <laughs> That's as far right. as actually slinging drinks, I'm old and rusty now. <laughs> Are you uh, old and rest too old and rusty to play guitar still, even just for yourself? Uh, I just don't have time anymore now, really. Oh. <laughs> well, what what? I tell people, I'm like, I'm retired. Yeah. I've got a room full of guitars hanging on the wall, but never touch them because by the time I get home at night, I'm like. Too wiped out. Those strings are getting crunchy without you, I'm sure. <laughs> Plus, we're all like, I mean, we all work so much that you know, it's hard to like get together with anybody and jam. Not in the fact that like 95% of the Indianapolis industry people are all bass players. So, oh no, really? Yeah, like running things, we could put together a band on, on a Sunday so we could get together on Sundays when people are closed, and but it would be like eight bases. <laughs> What? Okay, so we started, we touched on this a little bit before, but who, who is, once you, uh, you said you picked up playing bass because you were like, okay, I'll play bass. So once you started paying attention, who were you listening to? What were the bands? What were the, uh, who were you trying to emulate at that time when you were trying to learn how to play bass? Oh, that's another, like, crazy long question. Of course it is. And I mean, like I said, be. Steve Harris, because I was a maiden yeah. guy, and yeah. I mean, Steve Harris's style is so great. But then I also, like, I mean, growing up, like my parents, I heard the Blues Brothers record all the time growing up. So like oh, Duck yeah. Dunn, love Duck Dunn. Mm -hmm. So I, I, my influences go crazy all over the place. I think that's yeah. as it should be, you know. I, and uh, I think it's kind of the same with you know spirits in a way. You, I'm I'm not a big vodka person, but if somebody drinks vodka, that's fine. But I want to know about everything so I can be yeah. well versed in it. So I would think in music, you would also want to like at least skip that rock, you know. <laughs> 
and they'll yeah, it's like, that I'm wasting my time. It seems like, you know, there was that little span where you're trying to get all technical and, you know, all these crazy jazz guys or whatever. And then just realize that like, I'm a rock and roll guy. Yeah. I like guys that just like hold the groove. You mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then to do all the flashy stuff. <laughs> so then who was it that you said that when you guys put out that record, you had a funk track. So who, who were the funk people? Where was that coming from? It was also the nineties. So funk was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but we were like big, big James Brown fans. We used to like listen to James Brown just nonstop. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, just a lot of old funk bands. I like this Iron Maiden and James Brown and the Blues Brothers. You got three very distinct things, uh, but just yeah. fantastic. I think it's amazing. Amazing. It's, yeah, and, and my collection's pretty all over the place, but yeah. you got to have everything just in case you're in that mood. Yep, it's totally true. <laughs> So what, what's the, uh, when you come home, what is the sit down and have some uh, coconut water and listen to music? What's that? What is it that you're tuned uh, into when you get home and you actually get a chance to chill out? Oh, uh, that's all over the place, too. It should this be. Past, this past week's been Van Halen, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been going back and reminiscing with the Van Halen. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of whatever pops up on my Spotify. Yeah. What do you guys play at the bar since I haven't been there? What what kind of mood do you create at the Inferno Room for people? Um, most of the time we're playing just like the normal Tiki soundtrack. The Exotica. The Exotica. The Chirping Birds we'll and all that. Yeah, we'll switch. You know, as the night goes on, it gets a little more upbeat. We'll like kind of start throwing in some a little more surf. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Tuesdays we do reggae. Because we just do a Jamaica special night on Tuesdays. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Monday night, we end up playing a lot of Afrobeat. Oh, so. that's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I wouldn't expect that. Well, I guess you could say Calypso kind of would take you over to Afrobeat if you wanted to take yeah. that little path. That's awesome. We tend to slide in a lot of Calypso on Wednesdays. I don't know. It's just now that we've been open long enough, it's just we're, we're all like bored with the normal TT soundtrack. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the normal tiki soundtrack kind of it's it's a very small, a very small genre really. So if you're working in it twenty four seven, or well, you're working at twenty four seven, then you're going to hear the same stuff over and over and over again, and it's just reinterpretations of the same stuff. So I like to hear how people. Uh, I remember being at Latitude uh, years ago, and um, they were closing up. It was Pete, I think. Um, and they were closed. It was like their last half hour. So nobody was there. I was just there with one other person. And they put on like just death metal for the last half hour. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, there's something kind of magical about hearing this in this environment right now. <laughs> there was, uh, was, when we were building, there was plenty of uh, the place I was joking about. It's like the, the Inferno Room was built with Slayer and Clutch and lots of metal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> It still happens early in the day when no one's around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you, um, I, well, I guess I was going to say, what are some bands that you're liking right now? Do you even have a chance to listen to something right now that you could recommend to folks? Like if you were going to tell somebody, you need to listen to this band and you need to drink this booze, what would that be? Okay, well. <laughs> I'm, I'm quizzing you now. <laughs> yeah, no. Only because when we get it's, off here, I'm probably going to go fix myself something to drink and uh, ha and have a listen to something. <laughs> well, I'm starting to like, I'm having a harder and harder time finding things that I like, like new things. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it doesn't have to be new. It'd be something old. I've, I've officially crossed that threshold into like, ah, oh, there's nothing good new now. <laughs> Back in my day, we had all the good stuff. Well, we um, also hit a point where it's it's hard to find the time to really yeah. listen to music, you know, and especially if you're in an environment where there's noise and music going on all around you, you can't really sit there and and have that playing in the background and really truly absorb it. So I mean, over the over the last year, or roughly, I keep forgetting that there's that three month shutdown of COVID times that throws everything off. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I'd, I I'd say the Dovan Lamar organ trio. Check Wait, them out. What? Delvon Lamar organ trio. Delvon Lamar or organ trio. I've never yeah. heard of this. <laughs> yeah, so. they're from Seattle. And okay. Pretty Jimmy James. He's the guitar player. Is just mm-hmm. mind blowing. He's like Hendrix. Cool. For real. Delvon yeah. Lamar organ trio. Okay. Yep. And what should I listen to while I'm listening to that? Or what should I drink while <laughs> I'm listening to that? <laughs> listen to them. I'll listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Recommend listening to them while you're listening to them. <laughs> I'll try listening to them in two different settings. How's that? <laughs> but what do I need to be drinking then? What do you think goes with them? Is it just beer? <laughs> Nothing wrong with beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're uh, they're kind of like a, a modern Booker T and the MGs kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's all instrumental, super groovy. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that sounds lovely. I love that kind of... When you said organ, I was kind of hoping it would be something... Yeah, he, he plays the Hammond and it's just mind-blowing on that too nice. when you go see him live it's like you have a hard time trying to figure out like should i be watching him or should i be watching guitar i don't know because they're both fucking awesome i have but. either fortunately or unfortunately dated musicians so i got into the habit when i first the first musician i was dating who was the frontman of the band to not watch him the whole time because i felt like that was really cheesy <laughs> so yeah. i would watch I knew all the other guys, so I watch everybody play. Oh, it's Marty's turn. Oh, it's so-and-so's turn. And I still do that whenever I see any any live act. I always watch everybody while they're playing. So it's just ingrained in me now. And I'm actually kind of glad for it, because otherwise you could miss some cool stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just... Yeah, I think you can get surprised. away with drinking whatever you want with them, though. Yeah. I mean, Last time I saw them, we were drinking beer. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking, uh, like, bourbon. Whiskey of some sort seems was, to sound good with I was going to say, like, if I was to listen to it, put it on right now, I'd probably walk over to the cabinet and pour myself, like, a nice four-square. Yeah. Oh, four-square rum. Yeah. Very nice. That is a very nice one. So, yeah. okay. Well, let's talk about, uh, talk, I mean, how, I remember when we were writing, you're like, oh, I could have a lot to talk about. <laughs> and I yeah. think this is probably just about surviving covid surviving this coronavirus period and everything i'm glad to hear that you guys are hanging in there at least you know that you have yeah, the capacity we're, we're hanging in there ed's ed lost two of his restaurants i know i know i saw him post about that last and... month yeah so i mean it's you know we're we're doing okay but there's still that reminder yeah okay so that's helpful yeah. i'm sure yeah we we're we are a full service restaurant mm-hmm which we're actually trying to kind of focus a little more on now, even too, yeah. just in case we have to pivot back and start doing to go carry out. Mm-hmm. Well, you... we never, we never really focused on any sort of carry out program or anything like that okay. beforehand. So it was when the shutdown happened, we really couldn't do much. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean a lot of places just, we just, I have a bar here in LA and we just pivoted to, you know, as quickly yeah. we were down for two weeks and then we're like, okay, here's our to go. Here we go. You got burgers. <laughs> you got tater tots. Here we go. <laughs> Love your bar. 
Oh, have you been? Yeah, last time I was there, I don't even remember leaving. (laughs) Well, then we did the job right. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I remember talking to my partners. I'm like, I do not want food. Oh God, I don't want to have food. And, and then, you know, came around and now they're just, they both tease me. They're like, aren't you glad we have food? I'm like, I'm so glad we have food, you know, because it'll yeah, help us it, get through. I mean, it's, it's a pain in the ass that uh-huh. sometimes you don't want to deal with, but and in the end, you have to have food by law. So yeah. Oh, at any so, bar? Yeah. So we, we have no choice. Oh, okay. So, but Coming from restaurants, and Ed had his other restaurants. When we opened the Inferno Room, people expected us to be a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. kind of, we fought that a little bit at first. But actually, <laughs> now we're trying to be a restaurant again, so hell, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> it's different all the time, right? I mean, it's seriously, every other week there's something new. Well, so. I mean, honestly, it really is now because we're in such uncharted waters as mm-hmm. far as i mean i don't no one knows what two weeks from now is going to be like yeah what know. i have no idea what a a fall in or a winter in indiana is like what is that is you guys are full snow action yeah, yeah. it's snowy and cold just like and everywhere else except where i live <laughs> you're right so, well the mountains i can see snow on the mountains sometimes so i'm just down below sure. <laughs> but um so that means that you guys uh oh it's going to be delivery probably at that point We'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. so far, we've been able, like I said earlier, we've been able to spread everybody out enough because we yeah. have so much square footage. Yeah. Um, we've been lucky. Following all the protocols, we've actually had a lot of people tell us that, like, this is my first time out someplace, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate it. Thank you, because we felt safe here. Oh, and good. So that's awesome. That's We've really strived for that because, yeah. I mean, we want the customers to feel safe. Yeah. We Do want people have to... For our staff. Oh, no shit. I mean, that's the thing with all of this. My sister has been working in in hospitality for like, you know, 30 years as well. That's the thing about it is um, when people start throwing attitude around, it's like, listen, you know, just think about other people and you want to keep them safe. You want to keep everybody safe, your customers, but your staff more importantly, because they're having to interact with so many people on a daily basis. And you have no idea. No idea where those people have been. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, we, we had a meeting before we opened back up and that's, you know, that's what I told everybody. I was, you know, it's just like, we've been, you know, everyone, it's like, once we open these doors, we have no idea what's walking in, where these people have been. You know, it's like, we were kind of around each other, you know, getting the place back open and everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, we knew where we'd been. Yeah. Yeah. And now with, with all the masks, I mean, that's what people don't understand about, you know, the mask mandates and yeah. We're still, Indianapolis is a, a blue island in a very red state. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and like you said, you're having travelers too. Yeah. So, you know, when you get travelers, and, you know, I think people forget California, they assume it's it's blue, and it is blue, but there's a lot of red throughout California oh, yeah. as well. We have a lot of rural areas and such. So, um, so you yeah, know, it's always a 50-50. We still got a lot of people that uh, just feel it's their rights not to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so you guys have to kick those people out? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's as it's, the last the last debate that I had on this with someone, I told her, I was like, I'm, she was like, you're going to deny me my rights. And I'm like, well, if you want to put it that way, yes, I am. But I'm, you know, I'm thinking about the safety of my staff, yeah. you know, and it's like you're denying them their rights. to. Yeah, to, exactly. To live, you know. It's sort of like this is still a privately owned business. So, you know. <laughs> I can allow in whoever I like, and you are not going to yeah. be one of those people. It's a drag that it has to, to go there. And really I will changed. say, though, 90, 95% of our, like, our 
our core clientele yeah. are really awesome and yeah. respect that and everything. That's it's fantastic. Saturday night. Yeah, it's Saturday, night. Uh, Saturday nights are always a problem, right? COVID yeah. or no COVID. Yeah. You start telling all these stories about these arguments, and it's like, oh, wait, that was Saturday. Oh, that one was a Saturday, too. I, I had a gentleman that told me that he survived cancer, so he was not wearing a mask. Really? Uh, yes. Wow. Oh. I congratulated him on, you know, on surviving, surviving cancer, cancer, and I was so glad to have him here with us, but you're going to have to wear a mask, please. Yeah, totally. That makes absolutely no sense. What? Whatever. <laughs> I digress. I told you I wasn't going to do this. No, you can totally do that. I mean, I'm sitting there going, if I survived cancer, I would definitely be wearing a mask because, you, know. <laughs> uh, you know, you would think but... that is my feeling. You've gone through some stuff, you know, you don't want to risk that again. Um, but yeah, that, but that's reality. I mean, we can totally digress because that's what we're living in right now. You know, it's, it's a strange world out there and um, it just feels like every day is a new challenge sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the news cycle being as quick as it is, um, and then various state mandates, you know, all over the place. Hospitality is feeling very, um, and all over the world, you know, I've seen folks, like in London, you, uh, they're like, oh, so we have to close at 10 o'clock. What difference is that from midnight when we used to close? Because everyone's yeah, just showing one, up earlier and drinking. <laughs> that's the one that's killing us. We have to close at midnight. We're, yeah. I guess, at least lucky to be open until midnight. But what, Do you guys get to open earlier in the day? Yeah, we started opening at two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturdays to try to, which has been awesome. Yeah. Well, the weather's been nice, but yeah. At midnight though, we're we're literally Friday and Saturday nights we're kicking out like a full restaurant full of people at midnight. Oh God. Literally watching thousands of dollars in sales just oh. disappear. <laughs> and they can't, you know, it's like if they could show us the data that says we're doing good by closing at midnight, then mm. hey, awesome. Yeah, and that's but, all. You know, all of that is. It's different state to state. I mean, we actually get to be open till midnight or one. I think I think we could be open till two still if we wanted to, um, but we're closing around midnight one. We're noticing that's when people are are leaving because you know here I don't know so much uh, where you are. I mean, people can still take the train and they can Uber and Lyft, but they aren't so comfortable doing that anymore. So right. I'm not sure how much drunk driving is happening again. <laughs> Um, or if people are just taking it a little more easy when they're going out. I, I understand the argument of people let their guard down when they've been drinking and are less right. cautious and everything, but it's, it's but tough. As, as we've been trying to, you know, argue the case of like, the, we're, we're there to babysit and police that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and when we're cutting everybody loose at midnight, you know, yeah. basically they're trying to go after the 20 to 29 year old demographic that the numbers started spiking in. Because, quote, unquote, they're the ones that go out after midnight. Yeah. Uh, they're going to house parties. Yeah. They're just totally. going to, and nobody's wearing a mask there. And nobody cares. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, they don't understand. I think they're making it worse. But Yeah. Whatever. But to go to the house parties. And I, well, we get that here in L.A., too, because people are, like, renting houses and having big parties yeah. out there. And so, so to the point where the, the, city, the mayor said, we're going to cut off the power to houses that do that. And I'm like, by the time they find out, no, right. <laughs> everyone's already spit on each other. It's all, it's all toast. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. The whole hospitality industry, we've been, it's, we've been scapegoated as, oh. you know, yeah, for being sure. the cause of all this, you know, and they for can't sure. prove it. For sure. You know, but, I mean, it's, it's an easy, it's, it's an easy uh, out. You know, for folks to say this. I mean, gyms too, yeah. really. I mean, here anyway, gyms are gyms are all shut down, and you know, how, you know, how California feels about their gyms. <laughs> yeah, gyms. What are those? 
well, we there, don't have those here. There are actually uh, places out here that are doing outdoor pop-up gyms because California. <laughs> awesome. I'm all, that's great. Get a parking lot, put a big old tent and space those things out. I, I'd consider it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we've actually been chatting for like 40 minutes. So I thought maybe we could wrap it up. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to tell people, like the social media. Um, you guys have merch people can buy if they want to help support or anything like that? What? What's yeah, happening? you can go to our website. We've got a merch page on the website. Um, T-shirt, mugs, cards. The whole thing. All that good stuff. <laughs> Who makes your mugs? Uh, the one we have right now is from Tiki Farm. Mm -hmm. Kenny, Kenny Ruzik designed it. Oh, cool, um, yeah. So it's kind of wild looking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. He does, he's kind of our house artist. He does like our menu art and he's done some posters. He did our zombie glass. Yeah. All that stuff. Very cool. And what's the website yeah. for the Dante? Or I'm sorry, Dante. Yeah. There's, there's a Dante's. slip. Dante's. Yeah. The Inferno Room. <laughs> yep. Infernoroom.com. Easy enough. And people can um, follow this on Instagram too to get updates yep. and such. All, all, all the. All, all the social media sites. There you go. Cool. Although awesome. I don't really pay attention to those because I don't know. It's a bit well. much. And I think we've got an election coming up shortly, so we probably want to pay even less attention to it right now. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. I know, right? <laughs> I, can't, I can't stay away from it, though, because it's uh, driving have, me crazy. We have to stay informed. Let's just see how see how we survive it. You know, it's the best we can do. Um, okay, cool. So I got a music recommendation from you. I got a drink recommendation from you. I got social media. I like all of these things. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I down. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what else. Yeah, no, that's all good stuff. I like it. Yeah, honey, something special just for you. Thanks so much to Chris for being my guest this week. It's always fun to revisit 80s metal memories. But you want to check out his Spotify playlist, go to the Moherms Facebook page or the Podomatic page, and there is a link to the Spotify account. He made us a playlist, over 100 tracks all over the place. Really, really good stuff. So if you want to get your rock in, and not just metal, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, bands that he was talking about here, there's a little Duran Duran, which always makes me happy. Uh, go check out that playlist. It's wonderful. You can also, as he mentioned, find the, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, I always want to call it Dante's Inferno. <laughs> the Inferno Room on Instagram, at Inferno Room. And go check out theinfernoroom.com in case you have a little extra spending money and you want to buy a t-shirt or something or mug to help support them and get them through the winter because winter's going to be rough here in COVID land for uh, bands, I'm sorry, bands and bars and restaurants and everybody to get through. So uh, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Chris, and everybody for listening. Music and Booze with Mo is brought to you by Barkeeper, a head shop for cocktail lovers, located at 614 North Hoover Street in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. Stop by for barware, vintage glassware, a carefully curated collection of spirits, and one of the most impressive selections of bitters anywhere. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook for information regarding spirits tastings. That's barkeepersilverlake.com and also in the Virgil Village neighborhood of Silver Lake, Los Angeles. Thank you for tuning in to our barroom chats on Music and Booze with Mo. 
For more info about today's guest, or if you want to connect with me, check out my Facebook page, Moherms. Please subscribe to the podcast and feel free to tell all your friends about it. While you're there, give the show a rating and a review. It really helps to get the word out. If you want to hear the playlists our guests have curated, search She Be Mo on Spotify, S-H-E-B-M-O. Find pictures of the interviewees and the cool stuff they create on the Music and Booze with Mo Instagram account. Lower your expectations and join us at the bar. Till next time, cheers. Cheers.